Um, I'd like to welcome you again. And also, I'd just like to uh, welcome Harold and Deborah Bullock. They're here. Would you, would you all wave? They're Harold and Deborah. Harold is the pastor of Hope Church in Fort Worth. And uh, he, Cindy and I went to Hope uh, in Fort Worth when we were going to graduate school. And much of our training came out of there and, uh, for ministry and life, really. And deeply appreciate you all. Really do. Uh, Deborah wrote our, the children's uh, curriculum that we use. Uh, the gender-based curriculum that we use, and uh, so we, we, it's been very helpful. Kids love it. They look forward to coming to church, and they get fired up about that. That's been fantastic, and uh, so I'd like to welcome them. Another sort of maybe not such a side fact about them is that they are the grandparents of our grandchild, <laughs> we share we share a grandkid with them, so that's that's been kind of interesting. Harold's been my mentor for a long time, and after the baby was born, he said, "Did you ever think that we would share a grandchild?" I said, "No, it never crossed my mind <laughs> when when I first came. You know, when we first got to know each other, I said, no, it never never crossed my mind.' Also, Matt and Jessica Sturdivant are here. They're also on staff at Hope, and." Uh, Matt is the executive pastor, and Jessica, I'm not sure what your title is. Starting New Things, I think, is her title. She's the starter of new things at Hope, so it's really good good to have you here as well. This is, I, I also just wanted to let you know that this is Randy and Crystal Paul's last Sunday with us, Randy and Crystal and uh, Nathan and Josiah. This is their last week with us. They'll be going back to Central Asia to do their work there. And so I wanted to stop just before we keep moving on to pray for them, pray for a safe trip back and just protection while they're there. Let's pray. Father, we, we bow before you and we realize that you rule uh, the universe and you're aware of everything that's going on. We bow in honor of you and who you are. And Father, I ask that uh, you'd watch over Randy, Crystal, Nathan, and Josiah as they travel This week, I pray that you'd protect them, that you'd watch over them. I pray for protection in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ from evil and the evil one. Father, I pray that, God, you would would guard their lives, that you would help them, help them to have uh, the wisdom and the strength and the insight they need to do the work that they're doing. I pray that you bless their work and that you would uh, really further your cause in that part of the world. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're doing, or I'm doing, a message series called Box Office Wisdom, and we're taking uh, this summer a look at the main themes of some of the movies that are out, and then we're looking at what the Bible says about those themes. Uh, And we started the first week, we looked at how to recognize real wisdom And the main idea that I talked about was how box office wisdom must match God's word to be real. And so that's what we're doing. We're looking at the themes of the movies. We're not really watching movies, but we're looking at the themes of the movies and we're matching them up to see what the Bible says about those themes. Movies are popular when the theme resonates with our own experience. 
and super movie, superhero movies are really popular because people love to watch movies where a hero steps in and makes the world right. We know the world's not right, and we want someone to step in and make it right. So today, we're, we're going to talk about the theme of the Green Lantern. The Green Lantern came out a few weeks ago, and I thought just to help us get in the, a feel uh, and a, a vision of what the Green Lantern's like, we'll watch the trailer. So we're going to watch the trailer to begin. Life has got out in the universe. Worlds annihilated. Lanterns, we face an unprecedented danger. An enemy powerful enough to destroy entire civilizations. To fight this enemy, the ring chose a human. But I don't need to tell you your duty. genre right there. That's what it feels like. <laughs> um, the theme of Green Lantern, the Green Lantern Corps is an intergalactic peacekeeping force. That's, that's who they are. They're like an intergalactic peace police force. Um, the Green Lantern itself is the power behind this force and the power that they have to tap into uh, to fight evil. And the source of the power in the Green Lantern is will. Willpower is the key to overcoming evil in this movie. An arch enemy, arch enemy Parallax, threatens to destroy the universe using the yellow power of fear. 
And I went, I went to this movie with my nephew, and I found out there are all kinds of colors. There's blue, there's red. There's, I just thought there was green when I showed up at, at the thing. But there, there are all kinds of colors, and the yellow represents the power of fear. And so you have to fight that. So Hal Jordan is the main guy who's the hero who becomes a Green Lantern, first human to become a, a Green Lantern. And by the sheer force of his will and the collective will of all the beings in the core, uh, they, they fight evil. You heard the Green Lantern's uh, th- uh, motto, oath, in the, in the trailer, in, in brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Source of Green Lantern's power is the strength of collective will. That's the source of its power. Overcoming evil is a constant theme in the movies because it's a constant threat in our world. It's, it's a threat in our world at large, and it's something that we deal with in our everyday lives. We're, we're constantly dealing with this. It, and and it's, I noticed when my children were two and three and four, I noticed that even in Disney movies, there's always an element of evil. And sometimes, as my little girl was shaking, <laughs> I really wish they didn't make it look so real <laughs> and so vivid. But it's, it's an element of movies because we, we have to deal with this. It resonates because it's something that, that we deal with all the time, evil and the threat of evil. Every time you go to the airport now, you're reminded of 9-11, all, all of the security measures that we put into place to protect ourselves, to, to, in an attempt to protect ourselves. So it's something that's just part of our everyday lives. We want evil to be stopped. We want it to be stamped out, and we want evildoers to be brought to justice. So this theme resonates with us. Overcoming evil is a common theme because evil and the threat of it is a real problem we deal with every day. We're constantly having to deal with this. So what we're going to do at the beginning here in this message is we're going to try to, to, to understand how to overcome evil from, from the Bible's perspective and the way God's, what he's done to overcome it. We're going to look at how it entered our world and the nature of evil so we can try to understand how to, how to deal with it. So the history of evil in the world, we're going to go in the Wayback Machine, back to Genesis uh, 3. If you want to read the whole story, Genesis 1 through 3, tell the whole story. God creating the world, making the first man and woman, and then the fall of the first man and woman is what it's referred to in Genesis 3. I'm just going to highlight some things for our purposes this morning because to tell all, all the whole story with the details would take too long. But here's a recap. Of what happened. The Bible says that God created the earth and then he made the first man and woman. He created the universe and the earth, made the first man and the woman, uh, man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he made them to enjoy a friendship with him and to enjoy the world that he made. That was his, that was his desire. He, he wanted them to know him. He wanted to express his love by providing life and the world that he made that they could enjoy. God gave 
this first man and woman, he gave them a will to choose. He, he, we're not just a bundle of instincts, you find out in the Bible. We, we actually are, are given this ability to choose whether or not we're going to be friends of God. The reason he did this is so that we could choose to return the love that he's shown us in making us and giving us the world to live in. So he, he made us, he, he made the first man and woman, he gave them a will to choose, and he also gave them boundaries. So you, you can enjoy all of these things, but this, you need to stay away from this. He gave them boundaries. He warned them that if they broke through those boundaries, they would die. It was very, very clear. No mistaking the, the guidelines that God had set up and the boundaries he had set up. Now, Satan in Genesis 3, Satan shows up in the form of a servant. Satan is a high-ranking, one of the highest-ranking fallen angels who was created good by God, but who chose to rebel against God. He, He chose evil. And so he wanted to reign over the earth, and he he knew that he could wedge an opportunity to have influence over the earth and reign if he could convince the man and woman to step outside of the boundaries that God had put into place. And so he tempts them. He tempts them to do just that. And uh, you've probably heard the story. The, The first man and woman, they decide to bust through the boundaries. The essence of evil is this. When someone or something is willing to damage or destroy others for their own benefit and purpose, that's evil. The Hebrew word for evil directly translates harm. And so we, we don't always, we don't really want to hurt people, but if they get in our way, we're willing to hurt them. If they're thwarting our purpose, we're willing to step in and, and hurt them in order to get our way. Um, so the first man and woman, they broke through the boundaries that God had set, and here's what Romans 5.12 says about that. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So this is the history of evil in the world. This is how it entered. It it entered through the, the willing choice of the first man and the first woman. Romans says that we've all chosen the same thing. First man and first woman, they broke through the boundaries of God, and we've stamped our approval on what they've done, and we've done the same thing. We've broken through his boundaries as well, living life independent of him on our own. We tend to think that evil is out there somewhere. But what you find in Scripture, evil is in our hearts. Because we may not be terrorists, but we're willing to hurt people for our own benefit and purpose. We're we're willing to run over people who get in our way. So evil isn't just out there. It's actually in here. It's in me, and it's in you. 
We watch fantastic stories on the big screen about superheroes who overcome evil because we want justice. We want things to be made right. We want evil to be stamped out. And in our country, we've taken some strong measures to protect ourselves from evil. We tend to look for uh, military and political measures and methods to overcome evil and security measures to protect ourselves against it. But what you find in Scripture is evil is a spiritual problem. So we have to have a spiritual solution to the problem. At its core, evil is a spiritual matter. It's, it turns out that human will is not a solution to evil because evil entered our world through our willing choice to obey God. And what that did is we're good. God, God created us in his image. We've been made good. We were made good. But when we made that choice to sin, there's this evil that entered our hearts and it, it sort of taints everything that we do. So human will is weakened by that choice and it's, it's not the solution for evil. The solution must come from outside of our own power and strength because we, we need help with this. We need someone to step in and rescue us. That's the theme of the movies. We need someone to step into the world. Thankfully, God has already dealt a fatal blow to evil. The fatal blow has been dealt. When evil entered our world, God didn't watch what happened and wring his hands and not knowing what to do, wondered what was going to happen next. He immediately put his plan into action to deal with the problem of evil. In Genesis 3, God lays out the consequences of the choice that they, the, the man and the woman made and the consequences for Satan. This is what he says to Satan, who's in the form of the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is the very first prophecy, prophecy about Jesus' death on the cross. And what, what he's saying, what God's saying is to the woman, a child's going to be born uh, on into the future. A child's going to be born. And Satan is, is going to um, strike his heel, referring to the cross. That was a temporary injury. He died, but he rose again. And, but at, on the cross, your head is going to be crushed. The fatal blow. This is, this is what God set his plan in action to deal with evil the moment it entered our world. He, he dealt with it there. His purpose in making us was so that we could know him, have a friendship with him, return the love that he's shown to us by giving us life and all the things that we enjoy. And out of love, rather than scrapping the first man and woman, and starting all over, over again, out of love, he takes the punishment himself in the person of Jesus Christ through his death on the cross. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. We were still, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then in verse 17, 
For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, Adam, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So evil entered the world through one man, through his sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the punishment for what had been done. Jesus was the Son of God. He was God himself who took the punishment on us. That's, that's a, a pure expression of the love of God. He didn't give up on us. He, he, he wanted us to come to know him, and so he did this. So what that means is we don't have to clean ourselves up and rid ourselves of evil. God has done what's needed to be done. He's done everything to deal with evil in an ultimate sense, and in a very personal way, he, he executed justice on the cross by paying the price for our sin through Jesus Christ. Religion is spelled do, D-O. By the strength of my will, I'm going to make myself acceptable to God. And all the other re- religions in the world other than Christianity, this is the main idea. I'm going to be good enough to make myself acceptable to God so that I can win his favor, so that things will go well with me here in this world. That's religion. Christianity is spelled done, D-O-N-E. I'm going to accept what God has done through Jesus' death on the cross to make me acceptable. I'm just going to trust him. You and I have to surrender our entire lives to God and completely trust him with our lives. When we do that, God forgives the evil that we've done and the evil that we will do. That's the backdrop of what God has done to deal with evil in an ultimate sense and in a very personal sense. That's what he's done. Evil is a spiritual issue, and so he dealt with the issue by taking the punishment, by executing justice on, uh, on the cross in Jesus' death. God's dealt the final blow. But the world's not right. It's still not right. We want evil to be dealt with now, right now. So why hasn't God, if he has the power to stamp out evil, why hasn't he done it? What, what, what's taking him so long? And, and the scripture says the Lord is patient. So he is waiting to erase evil from the earth. Second Peter 3.9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The seed of evil, evil is in our hearts. And it may be very, very small compared to world-class evil, but it's there. I, I'm willing to hurt people who, don't, who block my goals. I'm willing to say things and do things to, that are harmful to them. I'm certainly willing. That's, that's really the nature of evil. Compared to the world-class evil that we hear about in the news and on a day-to-day basis, the seed may be nothing in comparison to that. Maybe we haven't done some of those major evil things that we find out about 
but any seed can grow into the full tree. And so in order to eradicate evil, to stamp it out on the face of the earth, we would have to be wiped out. We would have to be done. And so in frustration we ask, why doesn't God wipe evil from the face of the earth? And, and the answer is, he's waiting for everyone to be born who is going to be born. If he'd have wiped out the first man and woman, we were all in her belly. We were all in her. We all come from her. And we would have, been, we would have never existed. So he's waiting so that all could be born and have an opportunity to know him, to have a friendship with him, and return the love that he's shown us. Once we come to know him, once you decide to follow Christ, he, he wants us to engage in the everyday battle with evil. He, he wants us to know him and then when, when we dig in and we, we've got questions that need answers, we get into Scripture, we find the answers, we connect with the Lord Jesus, we decide to turn around from going our own way. That's, that's how you trust Him. You say, okay, I've lived life independently long enough. I've been on my own. I've, God, I admit, I've busted through the boundaries and I'm going to turn and walk Your way now. I'm going to live life Your way. I'm going to trust You with my life. I'm going to do it Your way. And I'm going to trust You with that. When we make that decision to follow him, he wants us to join in him, to in our circle of influence, to, to do what we can to overcome the evil that we face and that we deal with in us and the evil around us. A big part of our calling as followers of Christ is to engage in this everyday battle with evil. Romans 12.21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God set his plan in motion to, to overcome evil, and he wants us to set out to do good in our sphere to overcome evil in our own day-to-day life. This is, this is one of the roles we play. The way we overcome it is not by human strength of will, but by surrendering our will to God and allowing him to direct it to do good. But those of us who follow Christ tend to fall back over and over again on human effort to overcome the tendency toward evil in our own lives, but it, that doesn't help. We've got, to, we've got to give ourselves to God to direct us and to lead us. So here's some practical things, three practical things that we can do on a day-to-day basis to, to deal with evil. In the world, first of all, pray for protection from it. Jesus told us to do this. He he said in his prayer when he was teaching the disciples, he said, uh, part of the prayer, a phrase in it is, "Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." Daily surrender and reliance on God for protection are keys to victory. We pray against it on a personal and a worldwide scale. We we ask God to protect us from evil and the evil one. Second, turn from evil yourself. This is a description of how to, how to love life and have good days. And I should have put verse 10 in there, but it's not, it's not going to be on the screen. First uh, Peter 3.10, it says, Whoever of you would love life and see many good days, 
Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. When when someone says something evil to me or does something evil to me, what do I want to do? I want to say some evil back. I want to let them have it. That's my knee-jerk natural reflex is to, to speak evil. And so part of having a good day, if you want to have a good day, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Then it says he must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. When, when you recognize evil in yourself, and you may not want to be a person who does evil, but somebody has blocked a goal, they've said something, they've, they've hurt you, and you want to hurt them back. When you recognize evil in you, Turn from it. Ask God to forgive you. Be willing to admit it when you recognize it. Ask him to forgive you and get it straightened out with anyone you've damaged. God, that was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? Go, go to the person you've damaged. Admit it. Say, you know, I really shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have done that. That was sin. That was wrong. Will you forgive me for that? Get it straightened out with them. Ask God to help you want to do good. One of the things, one of the fruits that has grown out of my knowing God and having a friendship with him through Jesus Christ, one of the fruits is I want to do good. And it's not from me. It's from him. Because many, many times in situation after situation, I want to pay him back with evil or I want to just do something to get my way. I just want to get in there. But over and over again, the Holy Spirit in my life creates this desire to do good. And I know it's from him. We need his help. This is a tall assignment we have to turn from evil and do good. And he gives us help. So we have to rely on his strength and power, and ask him to direct our will to do good. This is the way to overcome it. And then third, return good for evil. This this is how we take our place in God's army of people called to do good. Romans 12, 17 through 21, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Someone at the office takes credit for work that you've done, how do you respond? We want to make them pay. Our spouse says something insensitive. We want to fire back. Our kids don't show the gratitude that we think we deserve. In fact, we envisioned it when we did this thing for them. When we had children in the first place. If you have kids, you know, one of the things you're thinking, this is going to be great. It's just going to be a love fest. I'm going to take care of them, and then they're going to come back and just be so grateful that I'm their parent, and it's going to be fantastic. Well, it doesn't quite work out that way. You do stuff, and then sometimes they notice, sometimes they don't. But they ha- actually, they have to be trained to notice. <laughs> you have to train them. Our kids don't show the gratitude we think we deserve, and what do we want to do? We want to let them know. 
what we deserve. A friend fails to come through. They fail to come through on a promise, and we find out that they said they would be there, but they, they had a better option come up, and they chose the other option when they had already committed to help us. Oh, what do we want to do? We, we want to let them have it, return evil for that evil. In situations like this, we want to make them pay. They, they didn't do what we wanted them to do. They did just the opposite. And since they didn't do what we want, we feel justified in making them pay. So instead of returning evil, God wants us to focus on doing right in the eyes of everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, it says in verse 19. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Let God settle the scores in his timing. Revenge is his territory. We don't want to step in it. It's, he, he will avenge. Whenever we set our heart on revenge, it sours. And we become destructive. That's evil. We want to, we want to turn from that. We don't, we don't want to return evil for evil. And we need God's help not to do that. On the contrary, verse 20 says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with, with good. Now, this doesn't mean that we just lie down and let evildoers run over us. That's not what this passage is saying. We may need to take action to stop evildoers. But we do it not with a heart of revenge, but with a heart to do the good that needs to be done to stop what's going on. We may need to create boundaries to stop injustice. We may need to keep evildoers um, from taking advantage of other people. And sometimes that means we've got to step in and do a courageous thing. But our response to the evil flows out of, the, of a desire to do what's right, not out of a desire for revenge. We want to do good to them, to do right in the eyes of everyone. This is the the motive that we need to choose as we respond. Our focus is on what's right, not on revenge. With God's help, and we need God's help to respond like this, we set our hearts to do good. We aim to do good even to our enemies. We trust God as we do good to do what's right by us and set out to do the good he wants us to do. God, the backdrop to the evil that's going on in the world, God has already dealt the fatal blow. We have a role to play in the day-to-day lives that we live. As his people, we have a role to play in overcoming evil with good. As God drops us in our neighborhoods and at our work and in different uh, friendships and circles, he wants us to be the ones to set our hearts on doing good as his representatives. We can do this by faith. It's the only way we can do this, trusting him to do good to us. I want to wrap up the message this morning by asking you, if you would, to think through your next step as a result of this message. Uh, Please take out your connection card. It's in the program there. If you take that connection card out, uh, the, the next steps are 
on the back of the connection card and also at the bottom of the listening guide, I've given some suggestions for next steps. In a moment, we're going to receive our offering. And uh, I'd like to ask you now, if you haven't had a chance to fill out all the information, please fill out any uh, information that you haven't had a chance to yet. And then let us know about these next steps. And when the offering ushers come by, you can drop the card in, in the offering basket. But here are my suggestions for next steps. God may have brought something else to mind and laid it on your heart, but here are some suggestions. First of all, memorize Romans 12:21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Memorize that. Ask God to help you to respond uh, to evil in the right way. Second possibility is to choose one way from above, from the things I mentioned in the message. Choose one of those to engage in the battle this week. Just choose one, one way of responding. Pray. Turn from evil yourself. Maybe there's something God brought to mind that you want to turn from and get straightened out or uh, just return good for evil. And then you may be trying to figure out what it means to follow Christ and you might be ready now to, to, to follow him. For the first time, I'm deciding to accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as my Lord. Allow him to be the one who leads me in life. Uh, if you're a first-time guest with us today, really glad you're here, glad that you've joined us. We have a couple of gifts for you, just because the, the message series is about movies. We have a movie ticket for you, just for fun. And we also have a book, The Case for Christ, that is a great explanation, good, good book to answer basic questions about Christ and what it means to follow him. So you can pick that book up as you go out those double doors and turn to the left on, on, in the lobby there. We'd love to have you stop by and get those gifts before you leave. Glad to have you here. Would you pray with me as the band comes up to continue the service? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word that really helps and sets us free. Thank you for what you've done to deal with evil in the world. I, I praise you, God, for the power that you have and the patience that you're showing and the restraint. And uh, my prayer is that each one in this room would come to know you and be your friend and grow in that friendship. And I, I pray that, God, you would give us the power we need to do good, to overcome evil with good in our personal lives. We ask for the power to do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.